part five of anne severn and the fieldings by may sinclair this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part five eliot and anne chapter one anne did not go back to her ilford farm at once adeline had made that impossible at the prospect of anne's going her resentment died down as suddenly as it had risen she forgot that anne had taken her son's affection and her place beside her husband's deathbed and though she couldn't help feeling rather glad that gerald had gone to india without anne she was sorry for her she loved her and she meant to keep her she said she simply could not bear it if anne left her and was it the time to choose when she wanted her as she had never wanted her before she had nobody to turn to as anne knew corbetts and hawtreys and markhams and people were all very well but they were outsiders it's the inside people that i want now anne you're deep inside dear yes of course she had relations but relations were no use they were all wrapped up in their own tiresome affairs and there wasn't one of them she cared for as she cared for anne i couldn't care more if you were my own daughter darling robert felt about you just the same you can't leave me and anne didn't she never could resist unhappiness she thought i was glad enough to stop with her through all the happy times i'd be a perfect beast to go and leave her now when she's miserable and hasn't got anybody it would have been better for anne if she could have gone robert fielding's death and gerald's absence were two griefs that inflamed each other they came together to make one immense intolerable wound and here at wick she couldn't move without coming upon something that touched it and stung it to fresh pain but anne was not like gerald to turn from what she loved because it hurt her for as long as she could remember all her happiness had come to her at wick if unhappiness came now she had got as eliot said to take it and so she stayed on through the autumn then over christmas to the new year this time because of colin who was suffering from depression colin had never got over his father's death and gerald's going and the last thing gerald had said to her before he went was you'll look after col col won't you don't let him go grousing about by himself gerald had always expected her to look after colin at seventeen there was still something piteous and breakable about him something that clung to you for help eliot said that if colin didn't look out he'd be a regular neurotic but he owned that anne was good for him i don't know what you do to him but he's better when you're there eliot was the one who appeared to have recovered first he met the shock of his father's death with a defiant energy and will he was working now at bacteriology under sir martin crozier covered with a white linen coat in a whitewashed room of inconceivable cleanness surrounded by test-tubes and mixing-jars eliot spent the best part of the day handling the germs of the deadliest diseases making cultures examining them under the microscope preparing vaccines he went home to the brown velvety leathery study in his welbeck street flat to write out his notes or read some monograph on inoculation or he dined with a colleague and talked to him about bacteria at this period of his youth eliot had more than ever the appearance of inhuman preoccupation his dark serious face detached itself with a sort of sullen apathy from the social scene he seemed to have no keen interest beyond his slides and mixing jars and test tubes women for whom his indifference had a perverse fascination said of him dr fielding isn't interested in people only in their diseases 
and not really in diseases only in their germs they never suspected that eliot was passionate and that a fierce pity had driven him into his profession the thought of preventable disease filled him with fury he had no tolerance for the society that tolerated it he suffered because he had a clearer vision and a profounder sense of suffering than most persons up to the time of his father's death all eliot's suffering had been other people's he couldn't rest till he had done something to remove the cause of it add to this an insatiable curiosity as to causes and you have the main bent of eliot's mind and it seemed to him that there was nobody but anne who saw that hidden side of him she knew that he was sorry for people and that being sorry for them had made him what he was like gerald and yet unlike him eliot was attracted to suffering by the same sensitiveness that made gerald avoid everything once associated with it and so the very thing that gerald couldn't bear to remember was what drew eliot closer to anne he saw her as gerald had seen her moving composed and competent in his father's room he saw her stooping over him to help him he saw the specks of blood on her white sleeve and he thought of her with the more tenderness from that instant he really loved her he wanted anne as he had never conceived himself wanting any woman he could hardly remember his first adolescent feeling for her that confused mixture of ignorant desire and fear so different was it from the intense clear passion that possessed him now at night when his work was done he lay in bed not sleeping thinking of anne with desire that knew itself too well to be afraid anne was the one thing necessary to him beside his work necessary as a living part of himself she could only not come before his work because eliot's work came before himself and his own happiness when he went down every other weekend to wick on the hill he knew that it was to see anne his mother knew it too i wish eliot would marry she said why said anne because then he wouldn't be so keen on going off to look for germs in disgusting climates anne wondered whether adeline knew eliot for eliot talked to her about his work as he walked with her at a fine swinging pace over the open country taking all his exercise now while he could get it that was another thing he liked about anne severn her splendid physical fitness she could go stride for stride with him and mile for mile and never tire her mind too was robust and active and full of curiosity it listened by the hour and never tired it could move undismayed among horrors she could see as he saw the beauty of the long trains of research by which sir martin crozier had tracked down the bacillus of amoebic dysentery and established the difference between typhoid and malta fever once started on his subject the grave sullen eliot talked excitedly you do see anne how thrilling it is don't you for me there's nothing but bacteriology i always meant to go in for it and sir martin's magnificent absolutely top hole you see all these disgusting diseases can be prevented it's inconceivable that they should be tolerated in a civilized country people can't care a rap or they couldn't sleep in their beds they ought to get up and make a public row about it to insist on compulsory inoculation for everybody whether they like it or not it really isn't enough to cure people of diseases when they've got them we ought to see that they never get them that there aren't any to get what we don't know yet is the complete behaviour of all these bacteria among themselves a bad bacillus may be doing good work by holding down a worse one 
it's conceivable that if we succeeded in exterminating all known diseases we might release an unknown one supremely horrible that would exterminate the race oh eliot how awful how can you sleep in your bed you needn't worry it's only a nightmare idea of mine and so on and so on for he was still so young that he wanted anne to be excited by the things that excited him and anne told him all about her ilford farm and what she meant to do on it eliot didn't behave like aunt adeline he listened beautifully like uncle robert and gerald as if it was really most important that you should have a farm and work on it what i want is to sell it and get one here i don't want to be anywhere else i can't tell you how frightfully homesick i am when i'm away i keep on seeing those gables with the little stone balls and the peacocks in the fields down to the manor farm and the hills eliot when i'm away i'm always dreaming that i'm trying to get back to them and something stops me or i see them and they turn into something else i shan't be happy till i can come back for good you don't want to go to india eliot's heart began to beat as he asked his question i want to work to work hard to work till i'm so dead tired that i roll off to sleep the minute i get into bed so tired that i can't dream oh that isn't right you're too young to feel like that anne i do feel like it you feel like it yourself my farm is to me what your old bacteria are to you oh if i thought it was the farm why what else did you think it was eliot couldn't bring himself to tell her he took refuge in apparent irrelevance you know father left me the manor farm house don't you no i didn't i suppose he thought you'd want to come back like me well i'm glad i've got it mother's got the dower house in wick but she'll stay on here till till gerald comes back said anne bravely i don't suppose jerry will turn her out even then unless but neither he nor anne had the courage to say unless he marries not anne because she couldn't trust herself with the theme of gerald's marrying not eliot because he had gerald's word for it that if he married anybody ever it would not be anne chapter three it was this assurance that made it possible for him to say what he had been thinking of saying all the time that he talked to anne about his bacteriology bacteriology was a screen behind which eliot uncertain of anne's feelings sheltered himself against irrevocable disaster he meant to ask anne to marry him but he kept putting it off because so long as he didn't know for certain that she wouldn't have him he was at liberty to think she would he would not be taking her from gerald gerald inconceivable ass didn't want her eliot had made sure of that months ago the night before gerald sailed he had simply put it to him what did he mean to do about anne severn and gerald had made it very plain that his chief object in going to india was to get away from anne severn and everything eliot knew gerald too well to suspect his sincerity so he considered that the way was now honourably open to him his only uncertainty was anne herself he had meant to give her a year to forget gerald in if she was ever going to forget him though in moments of deeper insight he realised that anne was not likely to forget nor to marry anybody else as long as she remembered yet eliot reasoned women did marry even remembering they married and were happy you saw it every day he was content to take anne on her own terms at any cost at any risk he had never been afraid of risks and once he had faced the chance of her refusal all other dangers were insignificant 
a year was a long time and eliot had to consider the probability of his going out to central africa with sir martin crozier to investigate sleeping sickness he wanted the thing settled one way or another before he went he put it off again till the next weekend and in the meanwhile sir martin crozier had seen him he was starting in the spring and eliot was to go with him it was on sunday evening that he spoke to anne sitting with her under the beeches at the top of the field where she and gerald had sat together eliot had chosen his place badly i wouldn't bother you so soon if i wasn't going away but i simply must must know must know what whether you care for me at all not much of course but just enough not to hate marrying me anne turned her face full on him and looked at him with her innocent candid eyes and all she said was you do know about gerald don't you oh god yes i know all about him he's why i can't i tell you i know all about gerald he isn't a good enough reason good enough for me not unless but he couldn't say it not unless he cares for me that's why you're asking me then because you know he doesn't well it wouldn't be much good if i knew he did eliot it's awful of me to talk about it as if he'd said he did he never said a word he never will i'm afraid he won't anne don't imagine i ever thought he would he never did anything to make me think it for a minute really are you quite sure he didn't quite sure i made it all up out of my head my silly head i don't care what you think of me so long as you don't think it was jerry's fault i should go on caring for him whatever he did or didn't do well, i know you would but it's possible to care for two people and marry one of them no matter which it isn't possible for me if i can't have the person i want i won't have anybody it isn't wise anne i tell you i could make you care for me i know all about you i know how you think and how you feel i understand you better than gerald does you'd be happy with me and you'd be safe it's no use i'd rather be unhappy and in danger if it was with gerald you'll be unhappy and in danger without him i don't care besides i shan't be i shall work you'll work too it'll be so exciting that you'll soon forget all about me you know i shan't and i'll never give you up unless gerald gets you eliot i only told you about gerald because i thought you ought to know so that you mightn't think it was anything in you it isn't something in me then tell me if it hadn't been for jerry do you think you might have cared for me yes i do i quite easily might and i think it would be a jolly good thing if i could now only i can't i can't poor little anne does it comfort you to think i'd have cared if it hadn't been for jerry it does very much eliot you're the only person i can talk to about him do you mind telling me whether he said that to you or whether you just guessed it what why that he wouldn't ever i asked him anne because i had to know and he told me i thought he told you yes he told me but i'm a cad for letting you think he didn't care for you i believe he did or that he would have cared awfully if my father hadn't died just then your being in the room that day upset him if it hadn't been for that yes but there was that it was like he was when binky died and he couldn't stand yerp don't you remember how he wouldn't let me go with him to see yerp because he said he didn't want me mixed up with it well i'd been mixed up that's all still anne i'm certain he'd have cared if that's any comfort to you you didn't make it up out of your dear little head we all thought it father thought it i believe he wanted it if he'd only known if 
she thought if he'd only known how he had hurt her he who had never hurt anybody in all his beautiful life dear uncle robert there's no good talking about it i knew the minute jerry said he didn't want me to go to india with him is that why you didn't go yes that was a mistake anne you should have gone how could i after that and if i had he'd only have kept away you should have let him go first and then gone after him you should have turned up suddenly in wonderful clothes looking cheerful and beautiful so that you wiped out the memory he funked as it is you've left him nothing else to think of i dare say that's what i should have done but it's too late i can't do it now i'm not so sure what go after gerald hunt him down dress up and scheme to make him marry me yes 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 Elliot, you know i couldn't you said once you'd commit a crime for anybody you cared about oh a crime yes but not that i'd rather die you're too fastidious it's only the unscrupulous people who get what they want in this world they know what they want and go for it they stamp on everything and everybody that gets in their way oh Elliot, dear i know what i want and i'd go for it if only gerald knew too he would know if you showed him and that's just what i can't do well don't say i didn't give you the best possible advice against my own interests too it was sweet of you but you see how impossible it is i see how adorable you are you always were chapter four for the first time in her life adeline was furious she had asked Elliot whether he was or was not going to marry anne severn and was told that he had asked her to marry him that afternoon and that she wouldn't have him wouldn't have you what's she thinking of you'd better ask her said Elliot, never dreaming that she would but that was what adeline did she came that night to anne's room just as anne was getting into bed unappeased by her defenceless attitude she attacked with violence what's all this about Elliot asking you to marry him anne uncurled herself and sat up on the edge of her bed did he tell you yes of course he told me he says you refused him did you i'm afraid i did then anne you're a perfect little fool but auntie i don't love him nonsense you love him as much as most people love the men they marry he's quite sensible he doesn't want you to go mad about him he wants more than i can give him well all i can say is if you can't give him what he wants you've no business to go about with him as you've been doing i've been going about with him all my life and i never dreamed he'd want to marry me what did you suppose he'd want why nothing but just to go about as we always did you idiot i don't see why you should be so cross about it adeline sat down in the armchair at the head of the bed prepared to have it out with anne i suppose you think my son's happiness is nothing to me didn't it occur to you that if you refuse him he'll stick for years in that awful place he's going to whereas if he had a wife in england there'd be a chance of his coming home now and then perhaps he'd never go out again i'm sorry auntie i can't marry Elliot even to keep him in england even to please you even to save his life you mean you don't care if he dies of some hideous tropical disease i care awfully but i can't marry him he knows why it's more than i do if you're thinking of gerald you needn't i thought you'd done with that schoolgirlish nonsense i'm not thinking of him i'm not thinking of anybody and i wish you'd leave me alone my dear child 
how can i leave you alone when i see you making the mistake of your life elliot is absolutely the right person for you if you'd only the sense to see it he's got more character than anybody i know much more than dear jerry he'll be ten times more interesting to live with i thought gerald was your favourite no elliot my dear always elliot he was my first baby well i'm awfully sorry you mind so much and i'd marry elliot if i could i simply hate him to be unhappy but he won't be he'll live to be frightfully glad i didn't what aren't you going to kiss me good-night adeline had risen and turned away with the great dignity of her righteous anger i don't feel like it she said i think you've been thoroughly selfish and unkind i hate girls who go on like that making a man mad about you by pretending to be his comrade and then throwing him over i've had more men in love with me anne than you've seen in your life but i never did that oh auntie what about father and you were engaged to him well anyhow said adeline softened by the recollection i was engaged she smiled her enchanting smile and anne observing the breakdown of dignity got up off the bed and kissed her i don't suppose she said that father was the only one oh he wasn't but then with me my dear it was their own risk they knew where they were chapter five in march nineteen eleven elliot went out to central africa he stayed there two years investigating malaria and sleeping sickness then he went on to the straits settlements and finally took a partnership in a practice at penang anne left wick at easter and returned in august because of colin then she went back to her ilford farm the two years passed and in the spring of the third year nineteen fourteen she came again end of part five recording by expatriate in bangor maine